I am Lawrence Holmes of the Lawrence Holmes Show. Here with you until 2 o'clock. This hour is being brought to you by CarX Tire and Auto online at carx.com. And the top of the hour is being brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Ray, let's DuckDuckGo. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Previously on the Lawrence Holmes Show. Jim Margulis of the Sox Machine joins me. I was reading on SoxMachine.com today your preview of White Sox, Red Sox. How similar are these two teams? Pretty similar. The Red Sox are right there along with them, like bottom third offense, a lineup that's really three-star hitters, and then nobody else is producing Trevor Stories off to a terrible start and getting booed by Boston fans. So when you look at just exactly what they're producing, it's not a lot. And it's also the same problem that the White Sox have in terms of getting over four runs per game has been really difficult for them. I think their pitching staff, their starting rotation is a little bit more shaky than the White Sox are, but the Red Sox have a history of making White Sox pitching look kind of really desperate at times with their ability to work the count. So perhaps this is a case where aggression comes in. I don't want to invite that by saying that Dallas Keuchel or whoever's pitching should be able to rebound, but I think this is as good a time to face Boston as any. High in the air, left center field. Robert is over, and Luis Robert finishes off a Chicago White Sox sweep at Fenway Park. Make me a bicycle clown! Nice work by the White Sox this weekend, taking care of that lightweight Boston team. Things are good interesting this week, though. Base drop! Welcome in. My name is Lawrence Holmes, and I'm here with you until 2 o'clock. On the show today, we are going to discuss why the Cubs are so bad right now. Evan Altman will join me in about 15 minutes to do that. We will talk with James Fegan at 1 on why the White Sox are so good right now. Or is it Fugazi? We don't know. But when we come back, I've got some notes on the Apple TV baseball broadcast. I'm going to try to try to be fair in my critique. We will do that next here on The Score. Yo, Holmes! Lawrence Holmes. Holmes runs it really well. Noon to two. Holmes doing what Holmes does on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yo, Holmes! And 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Oh, and he wins a big let's go. Liam Hendricks 97 at the top. So he allows a walk, picks up three strikeouts. The White Sox, they knock off the Angels, the Cubs, and they take the first over Boston this evening. Highlight courtesy of Apple TV Plus, Melanie Newman on the call, along with Chris Young, who was the analyst of the game on Friday. I found myself... In the two games that I've watched, the White Sox have been on Apple TV Plus twice. So I haven't given each of the broadcasts a a listen because our guy, Steven Nelson, does one of the other broadcasts, and I'm I'm a big fan of Katie Nolan. I haven't heard theirs, but when I've heard Melanie Newman and Hannah Kaiser and Chris Young, I so wish Apple would hire me as a consultant on their broadcast. 
because I think they're they're really close to having something super cool. And the problem is that they want the way I see it, they want to reinvent the wheel instead of improving upon the wheel. Here's what I mean. I don't think that there's an I, I don't even necessarily have an issue with with her call or with Chris as an analyst. The problem, though, is that he's not doing enough analyzing. There's a part of me that feels like, and this is what happens when you have like forced marriages, like you're you're putting new people in places. They haven't had a chance to work with each other. Those things should be considered when levying criticism against something that is new. I understand that. What I hear when I, I hear their broadcasts are earnest broadcasters that are trying to give you a lot of information. And I think that they are... I think that their attempt to give you all of the information that they've learned over the last day or so when they've been talking to the particulars, talking to the manager of the Red Sox, talking to the manager of the White Sox, they're they're giving you all of that information and they're doing it early. They are emptying their preparation, their preparation notebook, things that we want to talk about. They're emptying it early. And what that does is that that leaves you in a space where you either have to follow that stuff that you learn down narrative street or you're out of options of things to talk about. And that can't happen. The other thing is going to sound antithetical to what I just said. They also seem terrified of the silence. Baseball inherently is a sport that if you're having it on the TV, the two people or three people that are in the booth don't have to talk all the time. And they also don't have to talk necessarily about what's going on. I don't know a lot about Melanie Newman. I, I, I plan on, on learning more about her. She feels like someone that came up in radio, like doing radio play-by-play. Her, her call feels very radio to me, and that's good. That means that you're getting a lot of information that, they, that she wants to keep trying to move the broadcast along. I think those are all good things. But you could tell that Chris Young had run out of stuff. That he used his best stuff and it was the third inning. And when you do that, then you've got to figure out, you've got to pivot. And what my notes to them would be is, stay where your feet are at. Tell me what's happening in the game. If I have an ex-player that's there, I want to try and siphon all the information that I can from an ex-player on what's happening. Now, granted, we are super spoiled in Chicago. We have the best analysts on the planet in Steve Stone. I get that. I also think Jim Deshays is super good and honestly not given enough respect for how good he is as an analyst. I understand that. But if you've got an ex-player there, then the job becomes leaning on them and finding out what are you looking for if you're in this at bat? What is the hitter thinking right now? How did people get you out in situations like this? 
Stuff that's going to allow them to talk about the game that's in front of them and not just the notes that you got before. My other note to them would be, and I get it, people have full-time jobs, and it, you might not be able to do this just because I, I believe that um, Melly Newman works for Masson. So she's got a job already. They need more time with the teams that they're going to call. That's just being around a baseball team will leave you with things to talk about. For example, I was at White Sox on Sunday, last Sunday when they were at home. I was actually there last Saturday and last Sunday, but I was working, working on Sunday. Just, I didn't ask any questions. I just observed and took notes. And I think I could have been ready to do a broadcast on the White Sox. I I wasn't ready to talk about the Angels, but on the White Sox after doing that. There needs to be a little bit more time spent because even if it's two days, so let's say the game is Friday, you should be in the cities of one of those teams before that because you haven't built up the the resume of going from covering one team to covering the league. That's hard to do. And Friday, they were missing Hannah Kaiser, and Hannah's really a really good reporter, and she's got a lot of contacts, and I think that she adds a, a lot of a gravitas to the reporting aspect of what's happening in games, why decisions are being made, roster stuff, stuff like that. But some of it is just what I feel like Apple has done is they said, well, we're just going to make this feel like a podcast, and there happens to be a baseball game that's going on. And this is where I'm talking about the reinvention of the wheel. Just call a game, and the conversations will happen naturally. It feels that everyone is trying to force this stuff, and they need to just start letting it happen naturally, and it'll feel more natural the more they do it together. So I want to... I want to be clear that some of this is just a matter of reps, but some of it is also Chris Young doesn't strike. I don't know this for sure. Doesn't strike me as someone who's been doing the analyst thing for long. And I was talking with a, a MLB executive during the broadcast on Friday that said, don't, I don't like the nicknames on a national broadcast, it sounds Bush League. And I agree. He might be too close to the game. Like still a little bit too close to the game to give you what you need as a viewer. The, the, the thing is, is that those broadcasts look and sound amazing. Apple spent a lot of money and it looks great. Some of the statistical stuff is is um, superfluous. Like the idea, I don't think that you need to put in the corner on every pitch the probability of a hit. I think that, that that is something that needs to be doled out a little bit more judiciously so that it has, so it doesn't, it doesn't feel like, oh, here's just something else that's on the screen that I should ignore. That's something that should pop up and should draw your eye, in particular at bats or counts. But it looks amazing, and the concept of it is great. Like expanding the game, having different people like be a part 
of what we usually associate with a broadcast of a baseball game. I think all of those things are really smart things to do. Building chemistry three hours at a time on a baseball broadcast, doing it once a week is a really hard thing to master. And I don't want to totally do compare and contrast because I it's not apples to apples. But I will say when you have someone who is good at being a master of ceremonies, and Jason Benetti is that, even as a White Sox fan, knowing that he is the White Sox play-by-play guy and that Steve Stone is the White Sox analyst, I never felt like Boston didn't get its due. I felt like Stoney had done his work on Boston. And I, I'm sure that he I – I don't even have to ask him this. I'm sure that Stoney was on the field before the game talking to the people inside that clubhouse understanding what the Red Sox are trying to do with individual players. On Friday, I felt it was a real East Coast lean, and I'm usually not this dude. That felt like a Boston broadcast that the White Sox just happened to be a part of. And if you're going to do national broadcasts, you've got to figure out a way to make it sound a, a little more down the middle. It doesn't have to be perfect, but a little bit more. And because of, of CY's ties to that franchise and to some of those people, it came off like the White Sox were just there. Like the, the White Sox are, are, are part of the Red Sox narrative. When the White Sox have actual expectations this season and the Red Sox kind of don't. So those are a couple of my notes on the broadcast. I, there's more I could talk about it later, but I think they're, they've got some really good ideas. It's the execution. I I so want to be in the room. I want to be in the room where it happens. Click boom. I really want I wish that I could offer up my notes and be like, "Hey, this is you could make this better immediately if you do A, B, C, and D." I don't know what's going to make the Cubs better immediately. But I'm going to ask Evan Altman about it next here on the score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Horner hits a high fly ball to center. When it comes down, the Dodgers will have swept the series. There it is. The catch by Bellinger and center. The Dodgers win tonight by a score of 7-1. to Things have been ugly over at Wrigley Field. This homestand did not go any way anyone over at the Cubs wanted it to go. And now you've got injuries and guys being sent down and maybe they're being brought back. Evan Altman is here to help me figure out some of this stuff. He is the editor-in-chief of CubsInsider.com. If you're not following, if you're not checking out what the, the type of content that those guys are putting out there, you should, especially considering how rough things are for the Cubs at this moment. Evan joins me on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book Evan, how have things gotten so bad for the Cubs? Ooh, um, how much time do you have for me here? Just a couple uh, of minutes. Can, okay, well, I <laughs> guess I can. We can we can nutshell this thing, I suppose. Um, no, I mean, I, I think what it really comes down to is that they they didn't do enough in the off season to create a buffer. 
right? They, they didn't have, they don't have an emergency shoot. They don't have a safety net. And I, I think there was a lot of potential for this team. You know, the thought was that they would be middling, right? Uh, mediocre, but, but maybe okay if things broke well, which they did right out of the gates. But what we're seeing now is, is again, with any team, as injuries pile up, it's, it's going to be a problem. But they didn't have enough uh, whether you want to call it talent, just depth, however you want to describe it, that they could withstand any kind of significant run of uh, more than one or two injuries, right, or maybe poor performance from some guys who were expected to be significantly better from what they have. So it's just there just wasn't enough margin for error, and we're seeing that now, particularly when the offense that was constructed to be a, a great departure from what we've seen the last few years and that looked like it was going to be successful in that regard – has regressed significantly to the mean. And so now we're seeing that the lack of power um, is not able to overcome, you know, kind of, uh, or, or wouldn't overcome anyway, but the high contact, right. Supposed to be getting on base. That just hasn't happened and they have a lack of power. And so that can't make up for any of it. So it's a, uh, it's a bunch of things all going wrong at once. That That's how it feels that there's a, a lot of things that are not happening for this Cubs team. What's more to you, What's more troubling, that the pitching is injured and bad or that the hitting can't come together? I, the, the hitting, to me, is is much more significant now, again, to what extent they're going to uh, continue with that. But that that felt so much more intentional. Um, you know, And I wrote about this quite a while back, uh, just with the moves that they had made and, and you know, whether it was guys they traded away, guys they picked up, they, they made an intentional shift to uh, less power, more contact, that sort of thing. But, but what's really troubling is what we've seen with that and, and what comes from it. Um, they've, they've been surpassed for the league lead in, in grounding into double plays, which is kind of nice, I guess. That's a small victory, but they're still up near the top. When you make a lot of contact, especially when you don't have much power, a lot of it goes on the ground. That turns into a lot of double plays. They've only got six stolen bases, so they're near the bottom of Major League Baseball in that category. There's, they don't have the balance on the flip side. The other thing that I found that's, to me, incredibly troubling is that they're pulling the ball at about a 43% rate, uh, which is higher than they have in any, this is any Cubs team since 2005. They're mm-hmm. pulling the ball more frequently. That's not going to get it done when you're not hitting it hard. And it, it, it strikes me, you know, if, if – just as a baseball guy, if I were to say, hey, Lawrence, man, look at this team the Cubs have assembled. And they got, you know, Nicky Two Strikes, and they've got uh, Nico Horner and all these guys. Not a ton of pop, but they're, they're hitterish. You know, you would think, all right, they're going to be going oppo. They're going to find the little gaps. But, um, nope, <laughs> still got the shift. And when you're pulling a lot and you hit it on the ground, you do not have a lot of opportunities to establish and maintain rallies. And it's, it's shown they're just not scoring enough runs. What do you think is going on with Suzuki? Um, you know, if you, if you look at kind of, he seems to have changed his approach almost more than the pitchers seem to have changed, you know, as, as they start to add chapters to the book, um, you know, early on, he was swinging at such a low rate, you know, he was, he was seeing pitches. He was, it looked like he was kind of learning on the fly, right. He was doing it without scouting reports. So he, he really was in essence, just kind of learning as he went, but uh, similarly to the, the troubling kind of you know, things that you wouldn't expect uh, with the way the hitting has gone overall. He went from swinging at a 28% clip 
you know, kind of those first couple of weeks to now he's at about a 48% clip over the last couple of weeks. And so he's actually gotten significantly more aggressive against these guys. Um, and it's, it's like the opposite of what Kyle Schwarber used to be. I used to talk about this all the time when he was with the Cubs where he'd, he'd swing early and then he'd take strike three. And Suzuki seems to be taking a lot of really, really great pitches and then forcing himself into situations where he's, he's trying to swing to protect. And, uh, and pitchers are really getting after him. So I, I think they've used his early patience against him in that they're able to pump strikes, put him into situations he doesn't want to be, and then he's forced to kind of defend and it's not working really well. So I think that's something that can correct itself. It's just a matter of, of getting used to major league pitching and, and how that's going to work. At least we hope. But, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's been an, an interesting shift in his dynamics here the last couple of weeks. You brought up the idea of, of kind of going into this going, oh, the Cubs are probably like not great, but maybe they could be okay. Middling is, is the term that you use. And I, I'm with you. Like That's kind of how I thought. If everything breaks right, then maybe they find themselves having a little bit of fun. Obviously, it, it's no fun right now. How much faith do you have that this is all part of a bigger plan that will in, at some point – lead to the Cubs being back in a place where they can be competitive? Um, it, it's tough with the way they've played. And, and what's, what's kind of interesting in a, in a morbid sense is that, you know, they're playing 333 baseball right now. That's on, uh, that's a 54 win pace extrapolated over the season. That is the exact same pace that they have maintained since the day after they know hit the Dodgers. So June 24th last year, they know hit the Dodgers, and then we all know what happened from there. They finished the season on a 333 pace. And that's exactly what they have now. So, uh, and, and those are three different iterations of this team, mind you, right? That They initially started out, they still had a lot of those core stud players. Then they had a bunch of guys who kind of had to fill in for the year. Now they've made additions. And throughout that entire time, at least we can say they're consistent um, in, in terms of winning and losing. So it's it's tough though to see how they find their way through unless they spend some money. I thought it was telling when they talked to Justin Turner on the broadcast last night on ESPN and and he you know just kind of talked about the culture that was there with the Dodgers and how um, and and Boog Shambi brought it up right and mentioned how they've done such a good job of just acquiring guys like Turner like Max Muncie off the scrap heap making just monster trades for somebody like Mookie Betts signing a huge free agent like Freddie Freeman, and then developing all of these other players, notably pitchers. Uh, the Cubs have not yet. We've seen hints of it here and there, but they haven't done anything like that sort of mix in order to maintain, right? They've fallen down to where they were. They, they don't have that Dodgers pedigree. So they're still a few big, big steps away from being able to get back to that. And right now it's difficult to see, barring a sudden change in their payroll plans, how that does anything in the next couple of years. So uh, it, it's very much wait-and-see mode. Yep, and and it's, it hasn't been enjoyable at all. Like, it's one thing to lose. It's it's another thing that in some of these cases, knowing that you're going to lose. I, I thought they were they were competitive and entertaining against the White Sox. There was there was none of that versus the Dodgers. No, and, and that's where, you know, it's, it's this odd, you know, we'll see a home run here and there, you know, but it's a solo homer. And they're not getting guys on base in front of it. And it just it feels like fate accompli when they head in against one of these big teams where 
uh, it doesn't matter if they score first. If they, they're scoring at such a low pace, you can take out that twenty-one nothing game from earlier in the season, and and I think they're under three runs a game. Um, it, it's just not you. You hit it on the head. It's not fun to watch. There's there aren't rallies. You you don't feel like they can consistently get anything going. And and if they're facing a team like the Dodgers, it's almost like one of those where and gosh, they're going to be out in San Diego. You know, later start times, it's not the kind of vibe where people are are enjoying staying up. They'd rather just turn the game off after three or four innings and go to bed, knowing probably what the result is going to be. And that's just that's different from even the Cubs teams we saw, um, even when they weren't being consistent those last few years. You know, under the Epstein regime and, and Hoyer's first year, at least you thought maybe every once in a while they'll do something pretty wild and, and they'll come out and hit five or six homers and it'll be fun to watch. Uh, this isn't that right now. And with some of these other injuries piling up, it's, it's just a tough watch, man. It's just not fun. Evan, as always, I appreciate your time. CubsInsider.com is where you can check out Evan's work. The podcast is there. All the written work is there as well. Sir, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. Have a great rest of the show. I will do my best. That is Evan Altman of the CubsInsider.com. The White Sox are on a roll. They've won six in a row. Is it real? Is it live or is it Memorex? James Feagan is going to help us figure that out and preview the White Sox series against Cleveland. That's next here on The Score.